Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which are beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us, through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord for he is our God. Then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. The people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods, which you are, which are in your midst, and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God, and we will obey his voice. May the God bless the reading of his word. Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's a good to uh, have you all here today, the regulars, and some of you who might be for the first time here. And uh, also for you who uh, are visiting, we welcome you today. Uh, this is a couple things. Uh, my name is Dave Johnson, uh, so you know who I am. I'm not Doug Monkmeyer, and there, he is not here. He was here last Sunday. You missed him, and you came to see him today, but you got me. So anyway, what happens is that uh, Doug is not going to Tunisia, uh, but his wife and his daughter is going to Tunisia, and he'll be back next week. I encourage you to um, call the church office or uh, call him, and uh, he'd like to meet with uh, all of us who are part of this uh, congregation on a regular basis, and I got the chance to meet f with him on Wednesday for about an hour. It was a great session. He asked questions. He wanted to know how you feel about things and all that. Uh, we had a great time together because, in fact, uh, it became quite emotional. We were both in tears at one time because of a uh, situation we were talking about. And uh, he's very easy to talk to. He wants to really be uh, a person that's really involved with this church. On Wednesday night, uh, we had a wana for an hour and a half, and he was down there the whole time uh, watching and seeing what was going on and so forth. So he'll be in the pulpit next Sunday. Uh, he'll be back probably on Thursday of next week, and uh, he'll be starting a new uh, series on First uh, Thessalonians. And uh, so anyway, uh, today my... Uh, 
part of my assignment is to go over chapter 24, which is the last chapter of Joshua. And uh, before I do that, I just want to tell you, too, if you're a visitor, uh, we lost our pastor on August 1st. He was no longer in the pulpit from about uh, or late, Fe late February and uh, because of uh, brain cancer, and he lost his ability to speak, to, uh, parts of his ability to speak, and part of his uh, right side, he died of uh, brain cancer on August 1st. We miss him dearly. He spent 23 years with us. And uh, I know as, as we get older, uh, we lose a lot of friends, and uh, he was a real friend of ours and uh, really a big part of this church for so many years. And please pray for Don and, uh, and for uh, Angela and Lacey and their families as they go through the grieving process of losing their dad and, and uh, their um, uh, grandpa and their husband. So anyway, um, we have filled in. We started uh, looking at Joshua about six months ago, and now we're finishing up. It was not my idea to go through Joshua, Okay, we're going to blame that on Paul Mayhew. And uh, so anyway, he's right up here front. Don't throw anything. But anyway, it's been a really, a, it's, I don't know how much you know about Joshua before we started Joshua. But I've learned a lot about Joshua, the book of Joshua, and the man himself. He could have been a coach. Today, I was a coach for um, 51 years and uh, since I've been here. And uh, in the uh, base, in the co I coached baseball. Plus, I was a teacher at the high school, and for many years, I taught United States history and contemporary world problems. And I also had a leadership class. Uh, but anyway, I coached baseball. And when you get to 14 to 24, he used a lot of techniques that coaches use to inspire kids. Okay, to do better. <laughs> and uh, I, I wish I would have been there. Okay, to hear him because he nailed these guys and uh, pretty good. And sometimes we as coaches have to kind of nudge our players just a bit to have them perform at a higher level. And, uh, and he quizzed them and he tested him because there's some interesting things in that in, the, in chapter 24 that deals with, uh, you know, why did he say this? Why did Joshua say, no, you're not going to be, you won't behave. You won't do the right thing. And uh, sometimes coaches do that to say, oh, yeah, I'll show you. And you know what? He got the Israelites, okay, to show, okay, that we will follow God. And uh, at least that generation will follow God. It's really quite a story. And so anyway, uh, also the other thing is really great. My favorite song is, uh, is Blessed Be the Name, isn't it? You go through sorrow. We go through great times and so forth. He still is our God, no matter what situations that we are in. So let me pray, and we'll get started. Father, we just uh, thank you for uh, this time. We thank you for your love and goodness. We thank you for everyone here. I notice a lot of people that I used to teach are here, and, uh, and uh, a lot of people that have, are visiting, and we thank you for them. We thank you for each one that could be here today. We pray for those who are uh, online to listening to us today and being a part of our service. We thank you for uh, your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. About four weeks ago, uh, my wife and I got COVID, and so we were out of commission for about two weeks. Sometimes you have to explain that because we have a lot of controversy today about this whole ailment. 
St. Augustine said, uh, in, uh, he, he said, let me see, I wrote it down, but uh, he said in essentials, unity, you know, today we're going to talk about are we going to serve God or are we going to serve others or other gods or idols or whatever. And, you know, one of the things that's essential in the Christian faith, okay, is that uh, is in essentials is unity, being together as a group. In non-essentials, liberty, uh, St. Augustine said, in all things, charity or love. And so in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and all things, uh, charity. I've been going through First uh, Corinthians uh, as my devotional, and one of those chapters in there, Paul talks about what are the non-essentials. Should we eat meat to idols or shouldn't we? And he brings about, but what is an essential that we need not uh, cross over? One is, is that we're going to serve our God, okay, and our God only. Another essential is the fact that Christ died for us and rose again from the dead. But sometimes we have non-essentials where we can say, no, I won't do this, or yes, I can do this. And uh, one of the things that he... Uh, uh, so anyway, that's what uh, St. Augustine said, and I think it's really relevant to our society today. But anyway, let's get going on chapter 24, and if you have your Bibles open or your cell phones on to that, uh, I'm going to go from the, uh, I'm going to be uh, teaching from the uh, NIV, even though that was the NASB that you saw on the screen. The reason why is because I have an NS. NASB, but the problem is, is that the print is so small I can't read it, okay, without my glasses. And sometimes, so, I'm, so I have NIV today that I'm going to read from this area. But anyway, let's take a look. The other thing, too, uh, at the end, so I don't forget, please fill out these green cards, and hopefully I can motivate you to do that by the end of the, my session with you. And then what I did is I had... Uh, I printed it up on uh, a kind of a heavier paper. Actually, Maddie did it for me. We have, a tr we had, we have had two terrific uh, secretaries, Barb Reddick, who did it for so many years, and now Maddie Moore. But anyway, when you leave today, if you want to, per family, uh, uh, our usher will hand out these to you, not the frame, okay? So this frame is pure gold. I got it at the dollar store. And so anyway, uh, and it's right now, it is still holding together quite well. But for $1, you can buy this, but this is 8 by 10. They don't have any, but the paper was 11 and a half by, 8 and a half by 11. So I had to trim it. So otherwise, you may want to go to Walmart and get one for about 4 bucks. Okay? But the issue is... Do you have, a lot, of, a lot of times you walk into a Christian home and you'll see this someplace on the wall. And it says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And uh, that is a big statement that uh, we have. And what does it mean about serving the Lord? And what does it, how do we serve the Lord? All right. And so anyway, uh, you will not get the frame. But if you go to the dollar store. You know, the dollar store has two, I'm, I'm not pushing the dollar store, but it has, you can buy two cards for a dollar at the dollar store. If you go to Safeway, you buy the same card for $5.99. Go to the dollar store and give the money that you spend, okay, at Safeway, give it to the Lord. Okay, 
So let's, chapter 24, finally we got done. I took this chapter because there's a lot of people up here that were preaching, that have preached for about 20, 25 years, and the chapter that they preached on, this is one of the hardest chapters ever to preach on. So chapter 24, I knew, was an easier chapter. So I took that. And plus, it's a very moving chapter. Uh, this is a review of Joshua, real quick. Chapter 1, be strong and courageous. He says that four to five times. He, the Lord is talking to Joshua. It's interesting. Joshua starts, there's two bookends to the book of Joshua. The first one is Moses dying, and he's a servant of the Lord. Okay, and the last chapter is Joshua dying, okay, the servant of the Lord. It's kind of interesting. In between that is a story of the people of Israel uh, conquering the, the promised land and then dividing it up. So anyway, the review of it, we have we have uh, Lord commanding Joshua, giving him courage. And then he also says, be strong and be very courageous and so forth. You know, Joshua had to follow Moses. And sometimes it's hard to follow somebody who's had quite a ministry for so many years. But, uh, but you know what? Moses, Moses encouraged the people to follow him. The people did follow him because they knew this was the Lord's choice. And Joshua was, uh, Moses was Joshua's mentor. He was his aide. Do you know Joshua went, all, went up to the Mount Sinai, okay, with Moses when he got the Ten Commandments when he talked to God? Joshua was in the tent of meeting, all right, when Moses had to go, go and talk and confer with God. Joshua was there. Joshua was also a military leader. Joshua was also one of the 12 spies, okay, that went into the promised land to see if we could take it or not and so forth. So he went into an area that he would later come back to and have to fight battles at. So Joshua was a mentor to Moses. Moses, okay, so he had some background to start with, but still he was going to take on a tremendous job. And so then he had uh, uh, crossing the Jordan River, all right, and the, uh, the waters parted and they walked across on dry land. They made a monument. The Jewish people are big into monuments, but they're not big into structures with people's faces on it. They had a lot of rock monuments. If you ever go to Israel, the number one resource in Israel is rocks. Very much, why do we call this, you know, uh, Ephrata, Ephrata? Because we have a lot of rocks, okay? Uh, climb Mount Beasley. Well, it's not really a mountain, but climb it. You'll see a lot of rocks. And then you had Rahab, the spies, and here's Rahab, a prostitute, takes in some spies, so you can spy out what we're go they're going to conquer. Uh, because of that, she believed in this God, okay, that the Israel Israelis believed in. And uh, therefore, you know, he is, she is in the uh, lineage of uh, Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? If you read through the genealogy leading up to Christ and the, uh, and the people that were involved in it. Then, they, then what happened, they had the conquest of the promised land, the fall of Jericho. You know, Jericho was one of the biggest... Uh, uh, one of the big uh, structure that was considered impenetrable. You could not attack it. It had 28 foot walls in, it was in certain places and 20 feet wide was the uh, uh, width of the walls. And you know what? Uh, really, it said, the old Negro spiritual says Jericho fought the battle of, of uh, 
no, uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Actually, it was God that fought the battle of most of these battles, all right? Because they, they wiped them out in a very unique way. Without firing, well, they didn't have a gun, okay, without a bow and arrow, without a spear, okay, to make the walls come tumbling down. So we have that great story. Then we have the conquest of the promised land going in and taking over. Uh, then we have the division of the land between the tribes, and, and then we have the Levites who got a whole bunch of cities, and then we have the city as a refuge and so forth. And then 23 and 24, we have the spiritual battle that's going on. And last week, Pastor Doug talked about chapter 23. And uh, in 23 and 24 basically just go together. In fact, one commentary, they, don't, they have chapter 23, then they have the end of the book because 23 and 24 are together. In 23, they're talking to the, uh, Joshua's talking to the leaders. In 24, he gathers everybody to talk to them. Listen, I wonder how he did that. Have you ever thought about sometimes you read in here and you just take it for granted. They had no mic. They had no, nothing like that. How did he get millions of people? Okay, basically, if they were all there, because it kind of says that, how did he get the message across? And uh, I don't know. So anyway, uh, but uh, that's kind of a remarkable thing. So uh, chapter 24, you have the history of God's faithfulness. And what you see, you see Israel's sacred history. And you see how the Lord would fight for, okay, the people. And they talk, he talks about Abraham's father, Terah, who actually was worshiping false gods. Abraham leaves. He moves to the promised land. He believes in the God, okay, Yahweh, the Lord, okay. He has a son, Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. And uh, Jacob and his family, they head to uh, Egypt eventually. Esau goes to the Northland. And then you have... Uh, uh, Moses and Aaron, and he, have, he goes through the history. Let my people go after the last plague. Okay, he lets them go. The Pharaoh, they go to the Red Sea. They uh, uh, cross over the Red Sea. Uh, the chariots come in. There's a darkness sets in. Okay, the water comes back, and the Pharaoh's army was wiped out. And uh, so they saw that. It's really interesting. If you look at verse 12, right? sometimes you read these things over and over again. In verse 12, what you have is you have a hornet. And uh, it says, uh, let me find it here at verse 12. Okay. Um, I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil. In other words, land was already there. They already had crops going. I gave you cities. Okay. You did not build and you live in them and eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. I did this for you. This is God Almighty did that for you. But isn't it interesting he uses the word hornet? In Exodus, there's another fight, and they use the word hornet. And I saw an article in the Wenatchee World about the Asian giant hornets. They're about that big. Okay, Hornets hurt. Okay, I was working down at the ball field, baseball field, and I was really tired and fatigued. And what happened is I was messing around with this thing that's under, on the fence that, and you get hornet's nests. And I was getting some spray, and these hornets came out, and they hit me three times. All right? I have no EpiPen. Okay? I go up, and I sit down in the press boxes. The World Series was going on, a high school World Series or Babe Ruth World Series. 
and I pass out. And they take me up, and I didn't come to until I get to the hospital. I never have done that. Hornets hurt. Hornets can kill you. This Asian giant hornet, is, they don't like the word. You know, we're changing all the words. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. They're changing the words. They're taking away statues. And a lot of people, uh, we won't get into that too much today. But you know what? They want to change the word of the Asian, okay, giant killer hornet. They want to, it's, it's too, it's basically really, it's giving them a bad name. Okay, they have a bad, they have a bad name because they're bad. Okay, so anyway, think about that. So anyway, uh, we have this hornet. I just thought I'd bring that up. It hasn't have a whole lot to do except God uses a lot of different ways, okay, to attack the enemies and, and so forth. So anyway, Joshua gives a charge to the people. And he goes through the history of what's happened and how God has been with us all this time. And then he gives uh, the second part is verses uh, in these verses, Joshua charges in the people's response. And it says in verse 14, Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Uh, it's a, and by the way, this fear the Lord, I bet those people knew it was a genuine fear. Now, sometimes we take fear and we use it as you know, reverence and so forth. But you know what? Well, they saw God working in some unbelievable ways. And some strong ways that you would actually, you know, I better, I better follow God's plan. I better follow God's rules. I better follow God's law. And so it says, fear the law and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And uh, what's, what's interesting in these verses, how many times he says, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Repetition is the five, the fifth R in learning. By the way, that's not really true. Okay, writing, it doesn't start with an R. But anyway, what happens, the fifth R, though, in learning is repeat, 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 repeat until you get it. And he says, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord, and then he goes this way, he says, throw away all the gods and all that. And then he goes like this, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, and I wrote down in my parentheses, really, uh, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, the gods of your forefathers, etc. Then he gets right down to what is happening now, the gods of the Amorites, whose land you are living. I, read, I used to have a class called Middle East, and I had them read parts of the source by James Mishner. Jay's Mishner writes thick books, okay? I had him read about half of it. One of those chapters deals with the Jewish people, the Israelites coming in and taking over the land. And sometimes you say we should destroy everything, everybody, animals and everything else. And sometimes we look at that. Why would God say that? But you know what? He knew that there were certain religions that were taking place that would hurt the Jewish people. That would take them away from God. The worship of prostitutes in the temple. The worship of, uh, of, uh, of sacrificing your children to the gods. And the reason why you had a bad crop, because you didn't sacrifice your best child. You sacrificed somebody who was maybe not the firstborn, but down the line a little ways. It goes on and on and on. And that's what they're getting into. And that's what the Amorites were teaching. And so he said... 
So he really makes the point, serve the Lord. That is Yahweh. Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. Okay, they have no vowels except if you say Y is a vowel, or use, uh, Y is a vowel. But they don't have any vowels in the Hebrew language. That is, I am who I am. That's who you're going to serve. Moses was told that. And uh, they, uh, they want to go out and they want to serve idols. They want to serve uh, 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 other gods, all those types of things. So they get caught up in this. So here's Joshua giving him, them a pep talk. And sometimes you use negative things in a pep talk. <coughs> says the God, the, but that's, so it says, then, the, then it says, uh, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves the day whom you will serve. So in other words, he doesn't really want them to serve other gods, but he wants them to think, now, really, do you want to serve this God, God Almighty? You saw all the miracles he did, all the people that he wiped out, keep them safe, or do you want to serve this piece of wood? Or do you want to serve this idol? What do you want to serve? And even in our old day, what is our idols today? And our idols can be a whole bunch of different things. It can be money, it could be fame, it can be all kinds of things. Who do we serve? Who's number one in our lives? And by the way, sometimes that's really tough. I, I, I really like to do two things. I really like coming to church. Okay, I've been here for 51 years. I like serving the Lord. Okay, and I also really have a passion for baseball. Okay, now a lot of you don't think much of baseball or coaches even possibly, but you know what? Baseball is the greatest sport, and uh, because it talks about life, because you know what? Most of the time in life we fail. A baseball hitter, all right, if he hits three out of ten uh, times at bat, if he gets three hits, okay, he will be in the Hall of Fame. If you take a spelling test and you get three out of ten, you'll repeat that grade. <laughs> so you think about that. And so it happens. I'm, I have a passion for baseball. I have a passion to build a base. We built a baseball field. Sometimes I look. How much time am I? How much time am I? Spending with the Lord and how much time am I spending in something that I really like to do? And some of the, our idols are really pretty good things. But is, is God number one, okay, or is baseball number one, or is my family number one, which they should be right next to God, all right? But is God number one or in, in our lives? And so anyway, uh, that's why he's hammering on these people. Who are you going to serve? And so, as the, and so then he says, but for, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so the theme here is serving the Lord. The people then responds in verse 16. In verse 16, he says, talk, uh, I wrote down, uh, talk is cheap, okay? Somebody told me the other day, Okay, I will not tell you who, all right? But anyway, I got it, Steve, thanks. So what happens is that uh, someone told me, yeah, you're going to do this, but talk is cheap. I don't know if you ever listen to politicians <laughs> on both sides. So anyway, I won't get into that, but my, my minor in college was political science. But anyway, uh, Will Rogers said, uh, how do you know if a politician is a lion? He says, when he opens his mouth. 
Will Rogers was a comedian. But sometimes truth hurts. But anyway, what happens is that uh, talk is cheap. Act on it. That's what he's saying. You are not, then he says this. You are not able to serve the Lord. This is, you know, I did not expect him to say that. Okay. But after encouraging the Israelites to make a commitment to the Lord, he told them they would be unable to keep it. Now, that's irony in this statement. Sometimes as a coach... You tell them you can't do something. Not always. But if you got a bunch of kids that like to compete, they're going to say, we're going to prove you wrong. Okay? Because, you know what? And this, I think, what Joshua is saying here, you are not, you are, uh, you uh, are not able to serve the Lord. And so, anyway, this sounds a little different. Okay? But it's a kind of, his purpose was not to discourage them, but to lead them to count the cost and to mean that what they said. Joshua is calling them to honesty and commitment. Honesty, the definition of honesty is being free from deception. Commitment, the definition of commitment is sticking to your choices. It's all about commitment. Are you going to have commitment? Are you going to follow the Lord your God? Okay. And Pastor Gary used to always say, we, need, we want to finish well. He finished well. We want to finish well. Today, it seems like they say, I've been listening to some uh, Christian uh, news and so forth. They say a lot of young people are walking away from the church. A lot of young people are doing this. A lot of young people are doing that. Okay. In other words, they're not following the Lord Okay, like maybe they once did. Sometimes old people do that too, and uh, when they do that. So anyway, he, then he says this to him: "Stick to your choices. He is he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. <coughs> he will not forgive your rebellion and your sins." That's that's quite a statement. There, you have to sit there and say, "He won't forgive your." your uh, rebellion and your sins. So I had to look that up in the commentary, and they said that is a hyperbole. What's a hyperbole? I asked my wife, and she said it is uh, uh, embellishing something. Is that right? Exaggeration, okay. And it's this is really contrary to the na nature of God, this fact that he will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Who is he, because... Uh, who is presented throughout the Old Testament as a God of forgiveness and grace. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Though God forgives, he does not deal superficially with sin. Sin is sin. And what you see in the Old Testament oftentimes, when the people of Israel, God's chosen people, when they, they sin, they pay the consequences. Isn't it amazing that Moses did not go into the promised land because God told him to speak to the rock where water come out, and he took his staff and he pounded it. He didn't obey God. Now you talk about specifics, all right? He said, you're not going in. Okay, and, uh, and that generation wasn't going to go in because of what the spies came back. The spies, two people were right, ten people were wrong. Okay, but they all followed the ten people that were wrong. Sometimes, okay, the minority is correct, okay, instead of the majority. And so what happens here, uh, he, 
that God is, uh, is, forgives us, but he does not, he hates sin. He wanted the Israelites not to speak carelessly because God would hold them accountable. Do you really mean it? But the people, then it says that, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. So anyway, there he's pressing them again. Okay, you said it. Okay, now is it going to come true? Because oftentimes we hear people say things, the intentions, but without, without action, okay? Intentions without action is squat, okay? It just doesn't work. Attentions plus action. What are you going to do? Are you really going to follow God? Or are you just saying that, okay? And then you're going to forget about it. And what's really interesting is that these people follow God all the way to the end. Even after, uh, even after Joshua dies, okay, they follow God, okay, until you get to the book of Judges. And it doesn't take long to the next generation, okay, not to follow God. All the way through the, uh, the book of Judges, you see, uh, following God and then going away and following other gods, doing what was wrong, doing what was evil, and all those types of things. And what happens, then they come back and they cry out to God, and God in his forgiveness forgives them and so forth. And what happens is that he brings them back and they, uh, uh, they follow God again. And then they go through the whole process and they bring these judges 12 times. And so, but these people did what they said they were going to do. And, but anyway, Joshua really sticks it to him as far as, are you really going to do that? No. And he says, no, we will serve the Lord. Uh, and so, yes, we are witnesses, they replied. So Joshua said, look at, some were having foreign gods, says, then throw away the foreign gods that are among you. Yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Uh, so sometimes what happens is that we have certain idols in our life that we have to get rid of. We, uh, my wife and I uh, had a, when, before we had children, uh, we were first married, we had a senior uh, living with us uh, for one year. And he was, uh, he was uh, uh, one of my baseball players, and because of circumstances, he could not stay with uh, his parents and so forth. So we were his parents. Uh, we, got, we inherited a senior before we ever had a child. Uh, well, he was a child. <laughs> Seniors are not too far from children. Sometimes. So anyway, what happened is that he went off, he graduated and all that, and we stayed in touch. In fact, every uh, Mother's Day, uh, Joel uh, calls uh, Vicky. They moved to, uh, he moved to uh, Richland, and when he was in Richland, he, uh, he, he got married, had, some, had children, and so forth. He and his wife were doing drugs. I went to, I went to his testimony because he came to know Christ as a Savior. He asked me to come down and listen to his testimony. He was talking to a group of men at a Christian church. And uh, he said, one of the things I had to do, he said, what I had to do is I had to take my drug paraphernalia, go to one of the hills outside of Richland, took a shovel, he and his wife, went up there, dug a hole, and stuck all his drugs, okay, in the hole, all the paraphernalia, and then he covered it up. I had to make some commitment that I'm not going to follow the world of, of using drugs. 
And that is after he became a believer and uh, so forth. And so he made that commitment. Here, what happens uh, is that we have the sealing of the covenant on verses 25 to 28. What happens here, Joshua takes these people and says, I'm going to bring a stone here, and I'm going to have this stone placed here. And remembering the fact that we were going to follow God, we were not going to follow the gods of the Amorites and other gods that were in the area. And so from 25 to 28, he even goes a step further. He writes down some laws and rules and so forth. And the law of God, it says, not the law of Moses, but the law of God. And then he makes this monument. So he, every time you walk by it, okay, you're going to be reminded of the fact that we need to follow God. We, not, we should not follow uh, the other gods that are all around us. And then part four says three burials in the promised land. So 29 to 33, you have three burials that take place. But anyway, this is the, the, before I leave the study of the covenant, you can see how Joshua exhorted and went over and over to the people. I want you to serve the Lord. I want you to serve Yahweh, Yahweh. Okay, not these other types of, uh, of uh, uh, gods that are all around you and so forth. And sometimes we need monuments. That's why I, asked, I, I printed this off, okay, so everyone, family could have one of these. For years in our house, we used to have in our old house, we, somewhere on the moving, we lost it. But it says, we says this quote, okay, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord and uh, we will serve the Lord. And so, anyway, uh, you have this. And also, I have another sign. I like signs once in a while, motivational things. But we also, right in front of our kitchen table, we have this uh, big sign that says, Be kind, work hard, speak truth, love others, show grace, be grateful. And those are just reminders of what we should be doing, okay, as believers, okay, some of the things that we should act upon. And, but anyway, there's three burials, and real quick, like, Joshua is 110 years old, and he's buried where he lived. And this is the first time in Scripture that Joshua is called the servant of the Lord, like Moses was, like Abraham was, like David was, the servant of the Lord. And so you have that. And then you have Joseph, bring, they brought the bones back of Joseph back from Egypt. And uh, he wanted to be buried in Ephraim or into promised land. And that's what he asked when he about ready to die. And this, at this time now, years later, they bring him back and they bury him there. And then Eliezer, Eliezer the chief priest, uh, it, he was buried. He died and he was buried. It was kind of an end of the era, era of Abraham and Moses and all these people, and now they move into uh, the book of Judges, and you have a group of judges that rule uh, the Israelites. There's nobody that follows Joshua, all right, a specific person. Moses, and then you had Joshua. Okay, our response, as for me and my household, we, we will serve the Lord. How do we serve uh, in application? Well, one, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And the second is, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments, okay, are wrapped in these two verses. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. We, shouldn't have, we should have a servant's heart. 
Uh, love is always an action verb. I read, just read a book called Servant Leadership and uh, while I was sick. Uh, I, by the way, Vicky, thank you very much for providing for us. That's part of being a servant because several, uh, two or three of you brought meals and we appreciate it very much. We weren't terribly sick. Uh, one thing about COVID is that caused a lot of issues is we had our vaccinations. You know, we had the vaccinated and unvaccinated and all these types, masks, not masks, all these types of things. So we had already been vaccinated, but we still got it anyway. But it was a mild uh, type of situation. But several of you served us by uh, bringing something by for us to eat. We appreciate that very much. That is all, you know, are we loving our neighbor as ourselves? And, uh, and so, uh, and Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. We should have a servant's heart. And uh, love is an action verb. And uh, that means, you know, if I go up to my little baby when I had our three little kids, and I said, I love you, and I don't, and I just walk by, and I say, I love you, I just walk by, and I say, I love you, how does that baby know actually what love is? He, she knows, or he knows, when we pick them up, we cuddle them, we hold them, we feed them, we change them, okay, which is really a sacrifice, all right? And so we do, we do that, but we, that's how we, you know, that's how we show love, because we care for our children. It's not that we just say we love and we just go off and we just do anything we want to do, and we go our own way. And love is an action, okay? It's, a, it's something that we do. All right, it can be, I know, it can be emotional, and it can be real, and the heart, when you fall in love, all right, you, you, you know, there was something there, but eventually, sometimes, that wears off a little. So, what are we going to do? Are we going to serve our wives? Are we going to love our wives by serving them, helping them as men? Wives, are you going to love your husbands, okay, as we love ourselves? And uh, that is part of this. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We do something to show our love to God and to others. Servant Leadership is a, a, the book I read. But anyway, so many of you in this congregation demonstrate serving. Well, uh, this green card is a, uh, your, if you want to serve, you can fill it out. There's a basket back there to serve the people in this church, to serve the Lord God that we believe in, that we put our trust in, we put our faith in. And there's many opportunities to serve. And many of you do that. I mean, some of you went over and picked up, some men went over and got the furniture for Doug to bring it over. Some of you uh, went over there and put a bed together for Doug so he can sleep in. Uh, some of you do a lot of things that nobody ever knows. All right. Some of you go and you're up on the uh, you're up trying to figure out the air conditioning. OK. And you're up trying to get something around this church. There's a person that comes to this church in the morning. All right. And every time you come into this church and I know if he's not here, there's no lights on. There's lights on when you come. There's coffee on when you come. All right. There is uh, the doors are unlocked. All everything's been checked out. Every room has been checked out to see if there's anything wrong. All right. And he does that consistently every Sunday. And you don't even know who it is. Most of you. But he does that every Sunday. And uh, unless he's not here. And when I come in, I come in fairly early, but I don't come in as early as he does. 
And he just does little things, all right? And I'm not going to mention his name because I'm not going to embarrass him. And I'm just saying that, uh, you know, just the little things. Are we serving others? Some person in here, they serve on the board in Haiti. And all the catastrophe that has taken place in, in, on a mission board in Haiti about all the things that are happening to the Haitian people. There's people that serve. There's people in here that serve. And every Sunday, okay, for Children's Church, we have a notebook and we have the thing all planned out how we're supposed to, uh, to teach. And someone does that. This summer we had a five-day club, all right? People were serving, and many of us didn't even know that they were serving. Sometimes you know if they're serving or not. You know, I, I talk a long time, and I'm sorry about that, but, you know, when I was a teacher, I had 55 minutes every day. Okay, and uh, so anyway, I was trying to figure out why I talk so long. The hardest thing to do is take a sermon and do it in 20 minutes, all right? But I'm just saying that what happens here, uh, there's a basket, and, you know, you have a chance to serve. And so many of you do that. You serve, all the, you serve so many different types of ways. But if you don't, and you really want to, okay, and sometimes you say, well, I don't think I can do that. Well, sometimes you've got to try it and see it. You really do. And by the way, the first, time, the first year I taught, the second year, first year I taught, I wanted to quit several times. I was a lousy teacher, okay, and all that. If I would have quit, all right, most of the time when we do something new for the first time, we fail at it. I don't know if you understand that or not. Some of you are farmers. You didn't have very straight roads first time you got on a tractor, okay? That's before GPS. Okay, so anyway, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. So... Uh, I just hope that we will take a look. This is a great chapter, and it's a great verse that we, who are we going to serve, okay? Are we going to serve, okay, our own self? Uh, one guy used to say, some people really like themselves, and uh, this guy used to tell me, all right, of all his relatives, he likes himself the best. <laughs> and unfortunately, we're supposed to like others. We're supposed to serve others, okay? You know what real happiness comes when you serve somebody else. And don't worry so much about yourself. Okay? At this time, I'd like to close in prayer, and uh, Chucky's going to come forward. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this message. What a message it is. And, uh, you know, Joshua, was a, we learned so much about Joshua. Moses takes the limelight so much, and Moses this and Moses that. Here comes Joshua, actually a very humble guy. Uh, but a committed person, a person of honesty, a person that uh, understood who you were, and he wanted to make sure his people understood, okay, who they were serving, the God Almighty, Yahweh, the Lord. Gary told us many times that a benediction is just not words, but it is a promise from God. So this one comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 and 14. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And I'll see you at the dollar store. <laughs>